Hi, my name is Margaret. The second Bible reading today comes from Luke chapter 6, verses 37 to 49. You can follow it on the screen or in the Bibles in the pew. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. He also told them this parable. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a pit? The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognised by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of, all, out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hear my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Thank you, Margaret. Now, today we come to the last in our series, in our study in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, we will pick up from Chapter 7 next year, so if you want to listen in on the next series, you have to be around for that, so, um, so that we'll pick it up from Chapter 7 next year. But today's the last. Uh, let's turn to our Lord in prayer and ask for his help as we consider this. Heavenly Father, as we come and sit under your word, may your word dwell in us richly, and may your spirit apply your word to our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, you may have heard of the story of a town with two men, a rich and a poor man. The rich man, he had everything he wanted, cattle, sheep, property. He had it all. Whatever he wanted, he had. The poor man, all he had was a little lamb, a lamb he purchased, a lamb he treated like his own daughter, loved it, cared for it, slept with him, ate from his cup, drank from his cup. This, this, this poor man loved his little lamb. One day a traveller came to the town, and the traveller came to the rich man, and the rich man threw a party for him. And the rich man, instead of taking one of his sheep, went to the poor man, took the lamb, slaughtered it, and prepared it for the traveller. 
Now that, of course, was a parable that was told by the prophet Nathan to King David. And King David, when he heard of that story, he didn't know it was a parable. When he heard of it, he was furious. He was furious and he said, As surely as the Lord lives, that man deserves to die. But then Nathan turns around to King David and says to him, You are the man. You are the man. You see, David was left exposed. His soul was laid bare. He was pointing the finger, but the finger was pointed back at him. You see, what happened to King David also happens to us the more we read of the Bible. Because, you see, reading the Bible is sometimes like holding up a mirror, and it's uncomfortable. Often it is uncomfortable as we read the Scriptures because we'll find that the finger is pointed back at us. Now, some of us here may feel, in fact, quite comfortable looking into the mirror. Some of you might even think that's the best part of the day, looking into the mirror. Now, if that is you, you are special. Good for you. But look carefully enough and you'll see flaws and blemishes that no amount of makeup can cover up. But here we see one passage that holds up the mirror to our hearts, to our souls. And we may even hear God say to us today, you are the man, you are the woman, and we're left exposed. And in this passage, Jesus holds up the mirror and challenges us on three levels. One, how do we see others? Two, what our heart is like? And three, do we really listen to Jesus? You see, what is at stake here is nothing less than our salvation, than our eternal destiny. As the mirror is held up today, we will see what we're really like. And so Jesus holds up the mirror. How do we see others? And so how do you see those around you? How do you look at them? Do we look at people and look down upon them? Do we see others as inferior to us, to me? I'm superior. Am I judgmental? Well, Jesus says it plainly here. Look at verse 37. Jesus said, Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Now, we can read that verse wrongly. Jesus did not mean, don't judge anyone about anything whatsoever. That's not what Jesus meant. Who cares if a husband cheats on his wife? Who cares if our political leaders say lies? You can't call it evil. You can't call it wicked. You can't call it immoral. Don't judge. Well, that's not what Jesus was on about here. After all, Scripture is useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness. And so to rebuke a friend, to correct a child, that involves judgment. Judging is okay. But what Jesus was on about was do not be judgmental. What's the difference? It's a world of difference. The difference lies in how I see the other person. Are they inferior? Do I look down upon them? Or are they a fellow sinner just like me? Do I have a critical, fault-finding, finger-pointing spirit? Just like King David. 
You know, it was very easy for him to point out that rich man, not recognising that he was that rich man, to be critical of everyone else except myself. That is judgmental. For example, what might it look like? Well, some of us, when we come each Sunday, we're not really listening to the sermon. Is that what we're doing is where we're just critically taking notes. Oh, that preacher, he shouldn't have said that. Oh, that preacher, he made that mistake. He, he got it wrong there. I'm going to write it down and I'm going to tell him. And you go and you tell the preacher and the preacher responds by, well, you have a go at preaching. Well, they're both wrong there. They're both judgmental. Not that that happens here, so don't worry. Now, I found myself being a little bit judgmental recently. COVID is still amongst us, isn't it? And of course, you hear of news, those in our church, those in our, amongst our family and friends, they get COVID, you show compassion to them. Our family got it first, my family got it first, and they seem to all function pretty well. They, they got it, and, but in my heart, I was a little bit judgmental. I thought, it's, it's not too bad, is it? You know, who are all these people complaining about COVID, you know, whinging and complaining until I got it? <laughs> the Lord humbled me. And my family, boy, they just called me soft. But you see, to be judgmental is to presume the worst in others, is to take every opportunity to magnify the wrongs in others. But I'm generous about myself, about my own failings. I, I just say that, I want to point it out so that I feel a little bit taller. But Jesus says, you do that and you'll be judged the same, either by others or ultimately by God himself, by a far higher standard. And so the mirror again, how do you see others? You see, if you're generous towards others, the flip side is also true. Look at verse 37, the second part. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Now to forgive means to set them free from their guilt, to not hold them at ransom, to cancel their debt. And so 37 again, forgive and you'll be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. And that just makes perfect sense. It makes sense for good relationships. As I forgive you, you learn to forgive me. And the relationship is restored and it is built up. Now that's why Jesus goes on to illustrate this by this measuring picture. Look at verse 38. A good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now what's the picture here? Well, the picture is like going to the market to buy wheat. The owner, if he is a shoddy owner, he could only gather very loosely the wheat and put it into the container. That's what you get. It's just very loosely put in. There you go. That's what you paid for. Or he could shake it down, press it in, fill up every space of the container so that it's running over, and that's what you get. It's a bit like when you go take, get takeaway. You know, those who serve with the takeaway containers, they put in the rice, they put in the stuff. They put it so loosely, and you get the container. It's only half full. Come on, seven bucks. Or they really pack it in. They really pack it in. You see, if you feel cheated, you won't go back to that shop. But if they're generous, you'll go back and you'll be generous to them. The measure you use will be used against you. And so Jesus here warns against judgmentalism. If we only see the faults of others and not ourselves, we're like the blind leading the blind. 
and will lead people into the pit. Verse 37, or they'll lead us into the pit. But if we can see the fault in ourselves first, then we can be a teacher of someone else to help them see their fault. You see, Jesus was here having a go at the Pharisees. They were like the blind leading the blind. And so Jesus says, don't follow those blind guides. Follow me. I'm the true teacher. And what does Jesus teach? Well, now he uses this illustration about judgmentalism. It's meant to be a silly picture, a ridiculous picture. It's a bit humorous, in fact. If you, if you ever thought, is Jesus funny? Well, I think he's funny here. What's the picture we get here? Well, this guy with this massive plank coming out of his eyeball, this crossbeam coming out of his face. He's walking around, he's bumping into everyone. But yeah, he's trying to pick out the little speck in the corner of your eye. You know, you, you look at that picture, you think about it, it's just ridiculous, it is silly. He's going to do more damage if he tries to do anything on your eye. But the point here is simple. That's blatant hypocrisy. It's to call out the faults in others, as small as they are, but I do not see my far bigger fault, my plank in my eye. I mean, I find myself doing this, and I'm sure you do as well, around the dinner table, and this was in the past, not anymore. Often I will find myself telling off my kids. I want to teach them good manners. We've got good etiquette here. Do not speak with your mouth full. And they start laughing. And you wonder why. Because they're looking at me and I'm saying that with my mouth full. <laughs> and so I quickly learn to swallow first now. But of course, more seriously, to make such a big deal of a small fault of others, we like to do that, but we minimize our own faults. We even dismiss it as nothing. Oh, the guy who lied, I cannot believe that. He's the devil. But when I lie, oh, it's... it's it's really nothing. It's just a slip of the tongue. It's, it's a white lie. I didn't intend it. Well, Jesus says, that's nonsense. But I wonder whether the church, the Christian community, whether we sometimes act that way towards the world. We cast big judgments upon the world. Now, of course, the world is broken and fallen in many ways. There's no denying. But we be careful that we're not like the man with the plank coming out of our eyeball. You see, corporate greed, we look at the world, corporate greed, these directors, how could they be so filthy and greedy? How could they treat their employees that way? How could they steal in such a way? We, we make those judgments. But have we considered the greed upon our, upon our own hearts? Or we look at the world and Hollywood and we think, I can't believe how promiscuous this world has become. How sexually immoral. But do we apply the same standards to the movies we watch? And so who's got the plank? Who's got the crossbeam? And I wonder whether we are far more guilty of that than we like to believe. I mean, even within the church, do we subconsciously have a spiritual pecking order even within the church? That person who sinned far more gravely than I did, that person is below me. And we have this spiritual pecking order. Well, that must never be. I mean, do I really think that my sins cost Jesus less pain? Do I really think that my sins 
meant that Jesus spilt less blood for me than all the others? Well, of course not. He was crucified for my sins, big and small, just the same. And so we be careful when we want to point out the fault of anyone else. Of course we do want to help them to take the speck out, but the order is we get the plank out first. It's why each time, as a pastor, we have difficult conversations once in a while. And when I have difficult conversations with a brother or sister about a grievous sin, before our meetings, I always have to have my heart checked first. Because it's so easy to come into that meeting and to feel superior. I'm holier than thou. I mean, I would never have done that. It's so easy to fall into that trap. And so I go in prayerfully. And almost every time at these type of meetings, I would preface the meeting with the brother or sister, and I would say, I do not come here in judgment. God is judge. He will remain judge. He knows your heart. I can't see it. I come like one beggar telling another beggar where to find forgiveness and grace and you need forgiveness for what you have done. And I help you take your speck out. It's why Robert Murray Machane, Prezi Minister in the 1800s, he was so wise and insightful. He said, he said this, The seed of every sin known to man is in my heart. The seed of every sin known to man is in my heart. I mean, I could sin in the exact same way as anyone else, given the temptation, the opportunity, and the situation. I mean, you know the story of Les Mis, that the musical? Beautiful story, one of my favorites. In the story, Jean Valjean, he steals a loaf of bread and he went to prison. And some of the songs, Javert is calling him to account. I would never do that and so forth. But would Javert have done? that same thing given that same situation would he steal a loaf of bread for his nephew of course he would you see the seed of every sin known to man is in my heart but for the grace of God he has kept us so how do you see others the mirror is held up well looking into the mirror again what is our heart like what is your heart like is it a good heart is it a bad heart? Is it a righteous heart? Is it a wicked heart? Is it a heart shaped by Jesus? Or is it a heart that does not know the Lord at all? And you don't need heart surgery to work that out. Jesus says it is very easy. Just look at the fruits. Just look at the fruits of the person's life. How we speak. How we act. How we behave. How we are like under pressure, what we do when we are criticised, how we feel when we've been wronged, what we are like under trials and suffering. They are the fruits of our life that will reveal what type of tree you are, that will reveal what type of heart you have inside. And so verse 43, have a look. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. You see, thorn bushes, 
produce these flowers that from a distance it, it looks like figs but then you come close enough and you say they're not figs you won't eat it and likewise briars they produce these little black berries that might be confused or mistaken for grapes but you come close enough and you say well they're not grapes you're not going to eat that which means from a distance you can't really tell it can't be hidden forever however you come close enough and it will become obvious the fruits of our lives will show what we're really like and you know the saying sooner or later people will show their true colors and so verse 45 have a look with me the good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart and so if your heart is gentle it'll be reflected in how you speak how you give what you do with your stuff and then we read on and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart and so if the heart is selfish you'll act selfishly you'll speak selfishly and then we read on for out of the overflow of his heart his mouth speaks you see what we are like outside reflects what we are like inside it is simple it is clear and it is obvious i mean recently i heard of one who professes to be a christian almost proudly saying that she has held a grudge against another christian for 15 years unwilling to forgive unwilling to reconcile unwilling to say let's have a coffee and catch up and talk about it what do you think that reflects about the heart but then you look at someone else like our dear sister margaret dimelo we heard of the tragic news this past week our beloved sister who has gone to glory to be with her savior but you look at her life those of us who knew her yesterday we spent a bit of time reflecting on her life yvonne and myself we spent some time with barry and the daughters and the family and you reflect on her life good fruits all over the place that was a treat filled with good fruits fruits hanging off every branch it was packed full of fruits a beautiful godliness an incredible humility a persistent selfless giving and giving and giving a humble dependent faith fruits all over and so what are your fruits like are they for real you see what we could do is we can actually in fact stick fruits on ourselves they're fake they don't come from our heart we'll stick these fruits of gentleness when we're at church or when the minister visits you'll 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 stick the fruit of generosity we'll stick these fake fruits on but that's not for real what is your heart like now look into the mirror once again do we really listen to jesus you see this is a question at its heart it is about am i for real or am i a fake do i really take jesus seriously am i genuine about my faith and obedience or is it all just lip service i mean that's what jesus addresses now look at verse 46 why do you call me lord lord and do not do what i say you see jesus is challenging those who presume to know him well they call him 
Lord, Lord, not once but twice. It's the Hebrew way of communicating intimacy. I mean, remember the story of Jesus on the cross. What did he cry out? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? My God, my God, twice. That was not the cry of a stranger, but the cry of one who knew God intimately. And so these fellows, they come to Jesus, Lord, Lord. But these fellows, it's just mere words. They perhaps sang all the right songs, picked all the right hymns, had all the right theology, recognized him as Lord, as King, as their master. In fact, the Greek translation of Lord is often the translation of the Hebrew name for God, Yahweh. They're calling him God. But it's just lip service. You see, these aren't your uninformed, biblically ignorant fellows. They're sitting next to us at church. They're reading the Bible with us, praying with us, singing the songs and the hymns with us. But Jesus says, what's the point of saying all the right things but put none of my words into practice? That's fake. And I really do think once in a while, it is important for us to do some self-reflection. You know your heart. To do some self-reflection, am I for real? Am I genuine? Do I take Jesus seriously? And this may be uncomfortable. And now Jesus paints this illustration with these two builders, like what we saw in the kids' talk, to show that eventually it will be found out. Now the building, once it is completed, the two houses... You know, of Rodney and Fred, impressive homes. Double story, double garage, new carpets, European kitchen. They look exactly the same from the outside. You walk into the house and through the house, looks exactly the same. The appearance of being a Christian. You cannot tell the difference until the storm comes. And what happens? Well, one remains standing. And the other one comes crushing down and is completely destroyed. Why? Because one built it on the foundation of Jesus himself, on the bedrock of Jesus himself, and the other had no foundation at all. It's a picture here of not just the trials of life, but ultimately of judgment day. It will be found out when the floods come, when the storms strike. You see, those who survive are not those who pay Lip service. Now don't, don't, don't kid ourselves because there are, aren't there, those who just pay lip service. But those who survive are not those who pay lip service to Jesus, who have the right theology, say the right words, the right language, the right songs, but it's all just a facade. It is all fake. And Jesus will say to them, Away from me, you evildoer. I mean, you think about how sad that will be. Live your whole life with every appearance of being a Christian, even fooling yourself into thinking, I'm for real. But the heart was not there. But there's no fooling Jesus in the end. But those who survive really listen to him and obey. They don't just hear his words. It is about obedience. What's the point of hearing and saying the words without obeying them? Obey without reservation that is the foundation jesus is my lord 
my king, my master, in private, in public, on Sundays, every day. He is master of what I do, how I spend, what I pursue, what I love. He is king. What he says I will do, where he sends I will go because he is my king. That's the one who builds their life on Jesus as opposed to the building of that house where there is no foundation, which means that person is like relying on their own works, the building of my own house. And so the mirror is held up again. Do we really listen to him? And so let me ask you, what are you really like? You know, that time for self-reflection. What are you really like? As we read this passage and we look at ourselves in the mirror, if there's any one of us sitting here thinking, I really think this sermon is for that brother of mine, not for me, I'm I'm all sorted. Well, that's to completely miss the point. That's a bit like saying, look into the mirror and say, I don't like what I see, come and look into my mirror. Now, that's strange. But we look. We look and you look and what do you see? I wonder after looking into the mirror against this passage, whether there might be any one of us here who look in and say, what a perfect face. What a perfect heart. Well, let me say if any one of us thinks that way, maybe you're wearing too much makeup. Yes, you know, wash it off. No. We're not meant to see perfection here. Not at all. You look at this passage, we're not meant to see, I meet all of that perfectly. Not at all. We're not meant to also think we need to be perfect to get into the kingdom of God. That would also be wrong. You see, this passage is not about do good, be good, muster all the strength within you to do good, and then the doors of heaven will be open for you. No, that will be impossible. What we're meant to at least see here are all the flaws and blemishes. As we read this passage, we see, I felt there, I felt there, and I felt there. We're meant to see how far we have fallen short of the standard of God. We've never been pure in our judgments. We are all judgmental in some way. We fail there. We're never perfect in our obedience. We fail there too. And if we see something of that in ourselves, it's not meant to throw us to the bathroom floor in despair like we're crushed by guilt now. That's not how I want you to walk away. Instead, it's meant to drive us to the cross. It's meant to drive us to the Saviour himself. Not away, but to him when we see our flaws. And then what do we see? What do we see when we come to the cross? Well, we see ourselves as we really are. We see ourselves how God sees us. You see, the way God sees us is not superficially, but he sees us internally and internally. God sees how we've been judgmental. God sees how we've undermined people, looked down upon people, made people feel small and inferior. God sees how we hurt the sister that week and, and made her feel so tiny. God sees all the filth within our hearts. God sees our disobedience. He sees the worst in us. But yet, God sees us 
as one who is loved by him. This is how much I love you. I've given you my son. And if that is how we see ourselves, as one loved by God, we see that again, then you look at this passage and you'll be saying, how can I not live that way if I'm loved by God? How can I go on being judgmental and look down upon a brother or sister when God didn't look down upon me, when God didn't despise me and make me feel small, but he loved me? How can I not go on living a life bearing fruits, these good fruits that shows a changed heart? Because God has already poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. I cannot stop the Spirit's work upon my heart. And if the Spirit's working, there will be fruit. And there will be good fruit. If there's no good fruit, if it's all bad fruit, it shows that you have no spirit. And so if God has done such a thing for me, how can I not go on bearing fruit? And finally, how can I not be obedient to my Lord and build my life on him? He loved me with his life. He loved me until death. The one I will build my life upon is not anyone, nor anything in this entire universe, but Jesus Christ alone. He is my foundation. I trust him, but I also obey him. We have to remember that as Christians. Obedience is a good thing. I obey him. And so today, a time for self-reflection. Where is the finger pointed? What do you see? Well, by grace, we see one who is loved by God. And therefore, I will strive with all my heart to live the way Jesus taught. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your precious word to us. We thank you, Lord, that you see us as we really are, fallen, broken, frail human beings, but yet loved by you to the extent of the death of your Son and to the extent that you will pour out your Spirit into our hearts. Help us, Lord, to bear such fruit. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.